The following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got Gabe behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group with Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. How are we doing today, Stacy and Sarah? Doing good. Weather's, hanging in there. Yeah, hanging in there. <laughs> surviving the spring market in real estate, right? Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, we're going to jump right into our first topic, get right to the point. Last week, we've got, we got a lot of Zillow segments this week. I don't know if you, you ladies noticed that, but it's uh, Zillow heavy because they're back in the news again for different reasons than you would think. And we'll start with Zillow president Susan Daimler last week, right after the show, praised the essentialism of real estate agents and basically said real estate agents are essential. I wish you would have told Tom wow. Wolf that in 2020. <laughs> that would have been pretty nice. What do you think about this? There's some other comments here. And then she also goes on to condemn dual agency. The exact quote was, we believe buyers should be represented by a separate agent than the sellers. And what she's talking about there is not dual agency where like the same firm represents the buyer and seller because that happens pretty frequently. It's the Stacy Mitchell or Sarah Timon represents the buyer and the seller. So... What do you think about these comments here? Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, that's it's interesting that she she came out and talked about how essential real estate agents are. Um, I agree with that. I think that's something that they've probably realized through the different channels that they have that for each individual market, having somebody that's there every day and knows what's going on is very important for getting everything to kind of come together and for for deals to to come through. Um, and as far as double agency goes, um, you know, I I agree with that. I think that there's very few instances where um, representing both sides of the deal doesn't have the potential to get a little bit hairy. Um, so I I do kind of agree with uh with that, I know in different cases before where I've been maybe representing a seller and had a buyer that would be a good fit. I've actually passed them off to, you know, had another agent on my team represent them just because it it has the potential to to get sticky. And I think that even on the uh, the outset of it, as you know, you start offers off you. Oh, everything's clean. Everything's great. You know, but mm -hmm. they're just it opens the door for uh you know, for stuff to come up. Yes. Yeah, so I find it interesting that um, Zillow is putting out these statements that uh, real estate agents are, you know, valuable and essential mm -hmm. <laughs> when before they were trying to like knock us out of the game here. Um, so I do think what Sarah said is correct, like, or is true that they realized, um, you know, the, the big role we play here in, in keeping things together and, and that, you know, we are valuable. We There's a valuable role in what we do. Um, as far as the, the dual agency, um, I, I'm kind of on the fence about that because I personally, I don't like to do that. I don't like to represent both sides. Mm -hmm. I've done it. Um, but I think that there's a, if even there's a perception that um, somebody thinks that you're <laughs> representing a little bit more on one side than the other, I think that's a bad thing. But 
on the other side, you know, everybody has to be in agreement to that. Everybody mm -hmm. has to agree. It has to, everything has to be transparent going into it. So right. everybody, you know, has a full understanding of what that entails. Um, there are some remote areas, especially, you know, I know in Pennsylvania we have some remote areas. Maybe there's only one or two agents in town. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> you might need to represent uh, two sides, you know, both sides of the deal. So I don't know. I don't think that should be ruled out altogether. I think there's probably special situations that we couldn't even conceive of right now that sure. it would be vital that you re represent both sides. I mean, and I think, I guess like one one pro of representing both sides, assuming that, I mean, it kind of has to be, I think, a pretty straightforward deal, but you, Is you understand, deal? <laughs> right, right. But like you understand the ins and outs of both parties and what maybe would come to a compromise and maybe would be able to pull together some solutions that would maybe not happen if you were having to go back and forth with an agent on the other side. But I do, I just think it's really easy, even if you are, you know, doing your best to equally represent both sides and to get everybody to the table and everybody to be happy at the end of the transaction. Um, it would be easy from either side if you're not getting exactly what you want to to come back and feel like you weren't being properly represented, even if it were a situation where had the other side had a different agent, it still would have had the same outcome, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Well, that's a really great point. And, and what I know is dual agency happens maybe two to 3% of the time when one agent is on both sides. I mean, it, it's not something I, I've done often in the 21 years I've been doing business. You've done it, what, once, maybe twice? Maybe twice. Twice, right? So that's like, like that's literally like less than 2% of the time because yes. I know how much business that you've done. Yeah. So it, it doesn't happen often. And when it comes to dual agency, you mentioned the perception, Sarah, and I think it's the perception that how can one person represent both sides versus what's actually happening. I don't think there's any question this can be done in an ethical, proper way. It's just that some people aren't going to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And the flip side is in the current market, there's a lot of people that go right to the listing agent because they want to have a shot at getting the home. And that really shouldn't be the case either because then you know something not right is going on. And so the, the consumer has this one view. You've got, you know, Zillow has this other view. I, I, I do agree. It makes things much cleaner when you have two people representing the other sides. And what I also know is that when you're working with like an organization like a team and that conflict comes up, you can just flip them to somebody else. And there's another mm -hmm. person there that can be your advocate that's going to keep information confidential and that's going to go a long way. Uh, I, I think as more as, as the industry evolves, and we've got a story we're going to cover in our third segment here that I think is going to be relative to this, which is the, 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 the lawsuits that are in place right now that have now gone class action about who should pay the buyer agent. I think that's really relevant in this discussion because some people, they don't really value the buyer agent and the dual agent. It, it just, it also devalues them in certain ways um, about real estate agents being essential. I know exactly why Zillow said real estate agents are essential because they're essential to getting their flex fee collected <laughs> with their flex agreement. Number one, they're essential to their business model. Number two, because the I buying went so horribly wrong. If you look at their Q3, and Q4 earnings call it was like the tale of two different. It was it was like two different calls. I, I it was totally different. And when they cut the eye buying and they went back to what worked, and we're going to talk about this in our second segment. All this stuff kind of is going together here today. They need real estate agents for their model to be successful because they tried the other stuff and it didn't work. Now what's happening with them? And, and we'll talk about the premier agent and and pay to play and all all that stuff in the second segment. 
they're going into the ancillary services. So you got like Zillow Home Loans, right? Zillow Titles out there, whatever. I don't know what the name of the company is. That's if they're going to push that, they're going to need local agents that are aligned with them to do that. But the problem is they're going to have the same issues scaling that. I mean, recently we had an agent on our team. Their buyer was using Zillow Home Loans. You know where the appraiser came from? Oh, my gosh. A desktop from Dallas, Texas. It wasn't desktop. <laughs> okay. Buffalo, New York. Oh, my gosh. And they drove down here? I don't know if they went in person or not, but the appraiser was from Buffalo, New York. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they're not from the state. It's six hours away on a good day. Mm-hmm. I know exactly how far Buffalo is. I've been there a couple times. Jumping through tables during the football season. Just kidding. But uh, it's <laughs> like this is the kind of stuff that happens when you don't focus on the local agents. So they're seeing this because they've tried. They, they think they're smarter, specifically their CEO. I don't know about Susan, but Rich Barton has made it very clear. He thinks he's smarter than real estate agents. And while he may be, he doesn't have the local knowledge base. And that's the problem here. So... Of course, they think real estate agents are essential because their business was in the toilet. Their stock price went down when they didn't believe they were essential. And then they went back to what was working for them. And magically, they're doing better. Profits are up. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, not, a, it's not, not rocket science here to see what's going on. So when she says the future of real estate is not dual agency, do you think that's something that goes away permanently? A lot of buyers don't use it anyway. Uh, this, this is a controversial thing. I mean, do you think we, we've seen the end of dual agency or it's going to be phased out? I mean, I feel as though, at least around here, um, it's not a common enough of an occurrence that it's going to change much. I mean, I think that, like, situationally, sure, there could be some that um, that make sense or, or like you said, Stacey, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're in a more remote area and it just it is what it is. Um but so I I think it's probably going to stay about the same. Like, I don't think that her comment there is going to affect it, I, like isn't going to change anything by her stating that. Yeah, I I really don't know on this one. I think that it is such a rare occurrence when it happens. And I I don't think that there's many agents out there that love doing that. Right. You know, that just that's what they want to do all the time. Right. Because it does put you in a I don't know. It's. Even though I know I'm totally trying to focus, you know, 110% on each side. Yep. It yeah. is like, I feel like, oh my gosh, they're going to think that I'm... What if, what if you slip and t- say something you shouldn't say, Yeah. Right? I mean, anything's possible. I'm and not saying you would do that. Side, but... uh, deals do go sideways. Yeah. They do. Right. Um, that's just the reality. So, yeah. I, in our area, it's so easy to stay away from. And our team, like Tom said, you can just pass them on to somebody else. And then, you know, it's it's better all the way around. It yeah. also makes the, the seller feel better, though, right? Because yes. think about I think the listing side is where it gets a little dicier because the buyer that comes in that says, hey, I want to talk to the listing agent. What's your initial impression of that mm-hmm. person? <laughs> why? Right. Why? Right. Like, so tell us more about why. I'm thinking either you are new to the process, you don't know what's going on, and you're not maybe even necessarily prepared or in a position to place an offer, you're just thinking like, oh, let me, you know, let me just contact the listing agent. That's that's how this is done. Um, maybe you've had, you're not happy with your agent and you've lost a couple deals and you think that you can now kind of circumvent that part and mm-hmm. go in and do it on your own. Um, I don't know. I feel or that like those... you can get a better deal. Right. Th- that That is what goes off in my yeah. head immediately. The yeah. buyer looking for a deal or yep. they can get, and, and what they don't realize is that all the fees have been negotiated with the seller. There's a listing contract that's been executed that spells out if this, then that. Like mm-hmm. it, It's super clear in Pennsylvania. I can't speak to other states. 
And the buyer that wants a deal, what's your reaction of the person that calls in that says, hey, Sarah, I'm looking for a deal? I mean, the deal is like getting the house. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) That's the deal. Um, But I mean, usually it's like, well, we've got a long road ahead of us. Like there isn't, you know, given the current inventory, given the current market, given unless if you're willing to do the the things in order to like get the deal, maybe shopping a property that's been on the market for a little bit longer because mm-hmm. it are you willing to put in extra work? Are you willing to go extra extra steps? Um, you know, and in that case, is it still a deal? Is it only dollar value that you're looking to save on or is it, you mm-hmm. know, how important is time to you? <laughs> you know, there's there's some other factors that go in there. I found when people call and say, I'm looking for a deal, there's three outcomes. One, they never buy a house because they can never find a number they feel is below market enough. Mm-hmm. Two, they overthink everything and it costs them more money in the long term. Or three, they go through agent after agent, grinding <laughs> these people up until they finally find something and submit. And they have to kind of give in that they're not going to get a deal. I don't think anyone should go through a real estate transaction with those three outcomes as possibilities. That's the problem. So- to me, if, if if dual agency went away tomorrow, I, I don't think there'd be a huge issue. I mean, especially with the, the domination of teams, the the way that they're, the, you know, even within a firm, right? Let's say you're a single agent at our firm at Remax Mainline. There's four or five agents I know I could call and say, hey, here's the situation. Can you run with this buyer? Uh, on the seller side, because to me, the, like the seller, you've, you've committed to listing the house, right? And then it's so the buyer's coming through you. Well, where's your loyalty lie? I think that's where it gets the most dicey. When the buyer doesn't care, they just want to get the house or they want to get a, a deal, like you said. So I see this more of an issue as the listing agent when they approach you directly and how you handle that. I mean, that, that's, that's always been my, my take on it. And when you go into a transaction, and if you're a real estate agent, you might want to listen to this. And you say, hey, I, I don't practice dual agency on my listings. You know what kind of trust that's going to build with the seller when you're interviewing? Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's going to build a lot of trust. They're going to thank you for that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I'm, go ahead. No, I was I I often do say that when in the the breakdown of, you know, how a transaction works and what the different options are and how people find out about the home and come into the home, I often do touch on, you know, if I have a buyer that I've been working with that I know that this home makes sense, I will have another agent on my team step in because I think each person needs their own representation. Well, it's also going to protect you. I mean, it, it's never worth like risking your license or your reputation yeah, on never. one transaction. Yeah. But that's what people think happens, though. Mm-hmm. So, I th- you know, I think to me it's just an ethical thing. And if you approach it like that, I mean, there, there's plenty of sales to go around. Agreed. Right. Yeah, and I don't think it's, like, worth the stress of, you know, am I am I totally, you know, down the middle representing both sides equally? Right. Have I not slipped and said anything mm-hmm. that I shouldn't? You know what I mean? It's just, like, it's right. so much additional pressure that mm-hmm. I don't know that it's worth it. Right. Especially if if you have to negotiate just even small things, Mm -hmm. you know, a a $500 (laughs) inspection issue could just blow out the whole deal. Especially if that comes up at the end of people already having, you know, throughout the process of it, you know, given here or taken there Mm -hmm. or given here. Like, you never know what could be the straw that breaks the camel's back in a transaction if things do start to (laughs) go sideways. And it sometimes, I mean... Think about situations where you've worked through a deal that's been that's been sticky, that's been hairy. You're almost at the end, and then something right. super tiny is what almost right. like ruins. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's yeah, 
Uh-huh. We all know what you mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no. Right, right. <laughs> Talking people off the ledge. It's yes. Like a... <laughs> yes. Well, that's where having another agent on the other side, you're not getting it from both angles, right. right? I mean, right. it's, yes. hey, like, you know, yes. you, you talk to your seller, hey, let, let me call the other agent. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a little different saying, let me call the other agent than let me call the buyer. Right. And, hey, it's your job to make sure they take this. Well, actually, it's not when you're a dual agent. That's that's a great point. That's where yep. it does blur the lines a little bit. So, you know, kind of my, my takeaways from this are, one, Zillow likes real estate agents again because they're making flex fees. I think that's that, that's clear. They learned, they learned their lesson. And two, dual agency, I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like it's it's worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze from it mm-hmm. if we're all on the same page here. Totally agree. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Susan Daimler, two for two. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a change in the Zillow business model. What I see is a change in a couple years. We're going to make some predictions here, talk a little bit about this. But Zillow is changing their model again. Big surprise. We'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. 
I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Time, and we've got Gabe behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group with Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we are streaming live. We've got number one cheerleader over here too, Stacy Mitchell. <laughs> uh, and we are we are streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. So Zillow segment number two. Might be the first. Uh, this first show we had two of these. I think I, I'm, I'm probably not though. I, I guess not. I don't know. Sarah, you might have better memory than me. <laughs> In all time, I would say no. But recently, it's been yes. a little less Zillow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Uh, so last week, I got I found out about this via email. It was it was very very interesting. Um, that uh, Zillow is now adjusting their programs about how they distribute leads for people that work with them. So. Right now, there's a flex partnership, which you have to interview for and qualify for, where they give you leads and you pay a referral fee every time one closes. And there was a formal mo- former model, I guess it was, uh, what was this, 20, it was 2020, 2019 is when we, uh, when, we, when we made the changeover. And we were the, one of the first flex teams in the first wave of flex to convert for the Philadelphia metro area market. It started rolling out in 2020 with the exception of like places like Arizona and some other other markets where you had premier agent pricing before. So you could buy a certain amount of impressions on Zillow and then you would get leads based on that and your profile had to be strong and all sorts of other things. They've obviously changed that dramatically because now you can't even see who's on the profile, how many reviews, that you're like a ghost on their site. And now what they're doing is in Denver, Colorado and Raleigh, North Carolina, premier agent is no longer available um, and they are going full flex in those markets. Uh, they describe it as a post-pay or a success fee. I call it a referral fee because that's what it is. Um, and they, they've gone this full changeover. And it's this is the first markets that the, the first markets that they're doing this. So, what do you two think about all this? I think that there's a lot to unpack here. But obviously, they, they've pivoted to one model that's working. Now, the flip side is our market's not like this. We have a blend of people that pay for leads versus flex partners, and there there's some things going on here. So what, what, do, you, what do you guys think? Well, um, I think they see that this success fee or the post-pay, <laughs> um, because we've been doing the, the flex uh, Zillow leads for a while now, and it is, it is successful. Um, there you go. So I think they see that that they're going to get better, you know, better outcome if they uh, run along with it this way, as opposed to a flat rate for agents to buy in monthly. Um, And that way they can, you know, because I'm sure there's going to be criteria that each agent has to to meet. There's going to be certain standards. Mm -hmm. I know there is with us. So I think... Heavy standards. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to, it's going to elevate the quality of agents um, and I think it's going to be, it's going to generate more income for Zillow for sure. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I think that with the previous model, there probably were a lot of agents that, and I don't know what exactly, you know, the different tiers were for what, what people were paying, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were, they were probably collecting a decent amount of payments from people that weren't producing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of, easy free money to them if you will but whoever whatever Zillow person that called into Zillow and then got this agent maybe they're not representing Zillow to where they would want to be where they would want to be held at versus the fee that they're going to be charging people for this referral fee um, I mean it's it's higher than what most 
referral fees are amongst other mm-hmm. agents. But by doing it that way, I'm sure that they are still, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's very successful for them because they are they're getting a higher rate on that. They're working with people who are actually closing deals, which is making them look good, which is making the whole process um, look good. And for the people who are utilizing this, while they are paying, you know, a, a nice little fee there for the referral, they're getting business out of it. So most likely it's going to be worthwhile for them to continue doing it. Now, at what percentage of their business do they have Zillow be their lead source? That could be all across the board, but um, it would be working with people who are successfully closing transactions. So great points. Um, something you mentioned there specifically, it's free money, but they're not necessarily delivering for the customer. So I was in the room with with Greg Schwartz, the former president, no longer president of Zillow. This was, I want to say 2019, right before all this stuff started to change and they started delivering live connections. And they, they were people were getting a 50% callback rate on Zillow leads. Ridiculous. And if you're an agent that's paying money and not calling your leads, just just hand them over to us. We'll, we'll pay your referral fee on them and just yeah. close them for you, literally. Uh, so there was a lot of that going on. You're absolutely right, Sarah. That that's a, that's a great observation. What, what I see here is that we're starting to see the market change a little bit. In that, like we know, buyer traffic's down because people are a little frustrated with inventory, and and even though there's there's still plenty of homes that are selling, it's moving really quick. So that's a factor. Number one. Number two. If you get a highly converting team that's paying a fee on everyone they close instead of upfront money, you're making more money off the highly converting teams. And what they say in this article here is that they're going to um, some people, and it's May 25th is the date, so we got about 30 days, that there's some agents that are not going to be invited to continue with the program. Um, and there are real standards here. I mean, we have standards that we have. I have. Um, I literally pulled up the spreadsheet while we're here. You guys have seen this where it's, Here's the metric you need to hit. Here's how many leads. Here's the conversion numbers. Where are we? How's it going? Like that. That's literally what we're what, what we're getting graded on right now. And if you're not converting at the right level, they will pull the program. This is in the contract, so it gives them some skin in the game, and it gives the team some skin in the game because it's basically perform or shut up. So I'm clear this is going to be more profitable for Zillow, which there and there is and I'm look we are a flex partner I am I am a Zillow apologist I believe in the model to get people started I'm clear it's probably the best new agent training program out there and it gives you at bats right away to go meet with clients which as a new agent if you're trying to work your sphere or something else that's going to take time right mm-hmm. uh, I mean we were talking about some sphere deals here but like you you two have just started tapping into this a couple like and 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 not just started but you're starting to see the results right. this gives you transactions right out of the gate so to me, this has always been the direction that they're going. They're just actually pulling the trigger on it because the connections that people have to pay for, the price is just outrageous and people aren't buying them anymore because there's so little that are out there. So I'm not surprised by this. Um, what do you think it means like two years from now? Like where, where do you think Zillow goes in two years? Because we've got another prediction on this from Byron Lazine from uh, the one team in Connecticut and Broke Agent Media, which we'll get to in a second. But before we talk about his prediction – a year from now, two years from now, what are we saying about Zillow? What like does this mean anything, or is this just another thing they're testing out? Well, it certainly means something, <laughs> but um, yeah, they'll test it out and see how it goes. They've already been testing it out with the team. Good point. Um, so, and they know how it goes. It's, yeah. It goes pretty well for them. So, I think they're going to just fine tune everything and weed out um, and provide a better customer experience on on their side, um, so that maybe those agents that were paying that 
did have the 50% response rate, um, you know, they'll filter those out, get better customer reviews, customer experience, and and um, have happy people, you know, writing good things about them. So, and I think it to them, it's definitely going to be a benefit, um, again, because the agents are held to a higher standard if they're in the flex program. Um, and that being said, I think they'll they'll continue to see the success of, of the flex program. And they'll probably, from what I'm reading in this article here, <laughs> try to go forward and like Tom had mentioned earlier, you know, buy out small brokerage firms, things like that, and expand on their Zillow Flex program that way. Yeah, I would I I agree completely. And Stacey's absolutely right that they have been slow testing this in in different areas before now. Like it sounds like they're going to start doing more of a, mm-hmm. a rollout. So I think that they they know what they're getting into. Um, I think that they, you know, Zillow is the the Google of real estate. So they mm-hmm. do have that advantage in that even if somebody had a bad experience at one point calling into Zillow, you know, they might still call back into Zillow again uh, down the line when they when they still need help. Um, but that they, you know, probably need to tighten up some of these standards, get response rates up. And I mean, they obviously with the the flex program, I mean, they have a very serious um, protocol for what you need to hit. Their standards are there and it's you do it or you're out. So, you know, they're going to continue tightening everything up and then I guess holding everybody else accountable to those same standards that they that they allow in. <laughs> So a couple things I want to clarify. One, Zillow gets three quarters of the internet traffic that's out there right now from consumers. So these people that like, I look, I always look at the comments right on these things. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, that's this is stupid. You know, you're you're giving away your clients. Well, three quarters of these people were going there anyway. So I I don't I don't think it's it's a to immediately hate on something without understanding that I don't you, none of us have the reach to three quarters of our market right now. Period. Now, if it's three quarters of your database, you got to do a better job protecting your database. I agree there. That's maybe a separate conversation. And we're going to have uh, Steve Bazogany from our team come on the next couple weeks talking about how to protect your database from places like this. I think it's going to be a very relevant conversation. What I also know is that there are teams that have lost flex. That uh, This is not like public, not, but teams that you would be surprised if I told you the names. They were threatened to or actually lost it because they weren't converting. They weren't reporting. They weren't doing the things they were supposed to do because they were used to the old model, which is kind of like spray and pray. You just like get some leads in. You hope some stuff converts. It, there, there's no systems there. And what Zillow is forcing people to do, right or wrong, is run their real estate business like an actual business instead of just, oh, I converted this lead. I converted this one. I have no idea where these people came from because that's how most real estate agents run their business. So I, to me, there, there's a lot of good that comes out of this. And there's always a cost to that, right? There, there, it's, it's an acquisition cost. But then if you can convert these people, make them your clients, then get referrals from them, that, that's where the money's at. This is a cl- cost of client acquisition that you normally would not come into contact with. A lot of people want to complain about it. I don't see how you'd reach some of these people. We've had some very high-profile clients come to us through the Zillow portal. You'd be surprised who they were. I can't tell you. It's all confidential. We've had some high-dollar people that we normally wouldn't have gotten otherwise come through us through this portal. So there are some advantages there. Uh, and I, I think the people that don't like it don't have like a vision to scale their business or, or help you know new agents come on. It might be like the single agent or, or the smaller teams. So with that in mind, um, the, the second part to this here is that last week 
on Broke Agent Media. We finally got another news website we can we can pull from here. Uh, Byron Lazine wrote an article that, um, and and they talked about Sarah. Your your quote. I think it's like a, a cumulative quote now is the Zillow, the Google of real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so last year Zillow lost a billion, or the last three and a half years Zillow lost a billion dollars. Um, and it's a big dent that is causing Zillow to make some big changes. They cut Zillow offers. They did all these things. His prediction, Byron's prediction in this, is that Zillow were, is going to start buying independent brokerages across the country, putting their name on them, and that's how they are going to expand. Do you think this is accurate, inaccurate? I, you know, I, this has been something that's been talked about a lot. They're already licensed all these other places. So what do you two think about this prediction, seeing what they're already doing? Because basically they're already, imagine Zillow brokerage, like cause some brokerages, they take a, an X percent cut, like 20% cut, 10% cut, whatever it is. Zillow's saying we're going to take a 35% cut. Maybe it goes up, maybe it goes down. I don't I don't know what that, not going to go down. This is going to go up, if anything. <laughs> not going to go down. Um, goes down. <laughs> but knowing that brokerages already take a cut, if Zillow's your brokerage and they're taking X and you get all this internet traffic without having to do all the advertising and the acquisition, his prediction is this is what they're going to do across the country. So what do you guys think about this? Wow. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think that they've been laying some groundwork for it. It has been something that's been, um, you know, talked about um, for a while. So, you know, they, I mean, who knows how long they were planning iBuying before they did that. It kind of felt like they like jumped in the pool and then jumped out of the pool. Yes. Um, I think if this is something that they're going to do, this wouldn't necessarily be a hop in, hop out type of scenario. I think they'd lay the groundwork. I think they'd make sure they had stuff lined up right to do it. Um, and but I, I would not at all be surprised if they did. Yeah, it kind of it's uh, definitely leading in that direction, and it, it really makes sense for them, especially if they're if they have the Zillow loans. I haven't run across well, that. That that's a big part but, of this because yeah. most brokerages, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. uh, that most brokerages do attach the ancillary services to the transaction, whether it's mortgage, insurance, title insurance, whatever it is. And I know on our first flex call, they were really pushing Zillow home loans with us heavily. And I said, well, if you act anything like a large lender, we're not going to work with you because put them in the same boxes like Chase, Wells Fargo, Rocket Mortgage, whomever, name them all, all the big companies. They always screw up the deal at the last minute and have these people coming from all over the place like Buffalo, New York, for example, down to Philadelphia. So... Keep going. But that I, I believe that would be part of the plan. Right. And and obviously then that adds more value and then it adds more revenue. So that could be the big the bigger picture here is that they'll just have across the nation, you know, brick and mortar, Zillow brokerage firms, and then you have your Zillow premier agents inside working, <laughs> getting your Zillow loan and having your Zillow title insurance company. So I mean, to me, that does make sense. And I can see, I can see it now. I can like envision it Um, because they already have, they already have the, the webs, you know, all Mm -hmm. all the web traffic. Mm -hmm. They have all of it. It's all built in. Um, And I'm sure with your like Zillow manager there, that's looking (laughs) to make sure that you're using all their pieces of the. Using the app. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, using them for their mortgage, using them for title, using that, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And all the other services. Right, like, right. What is it? Showing time dot loop, things like that. Sure. And then, like, <laughs> if you have one that uh, you did that they use something else for, it'll be like, what happened here? Uh, right. <laughs> <You know>? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So it does make sense. So knowing that's the, I mean, if you look at what's happened though, too, I mean, they've kind of said they're going back to basics, right? So they got rid of the iBind, they got rid of Zillow offers, um, daily active app users. To give some understanding, it, it's sixty three percent right now through January, and then it spiked up a little bit more um, the end of the year, and they're nearly three times their next competitor. So like Realtor.com's at twenty point two, Redfin's at thirteen point four. And it's like apartments.com is at like 1.29%. I mean, it's small numbers here. Um, CoStar Homes is at 0.05. So, I mean, I don't know about CoStar here and our boy Andy Florence after his uh, whole fiasco. <laughs> so, you know, they're making it easy for people to search. And and, and that, that's where all the consumer traffic's going. So, you know, and, and again, Rich Barton, he founded Expedia, which did the same thing to travel agents. And I find that to be a much more vulnerable industry because – most people travel to the same places, right? Like you're going to mm-hmm. Maui in Hawaii. You know where all the hotels are. It's not like it. They're, they're, you know, there's like eight of them or whatever the number. It's mm-hmm. not like you have to know the ins and outs of this side of the street versus the other side of the street mm-hmm. and this township versus that township. So you know, I, I, I see this as, as, as pretty viable. And if you look at how they're – I mean, and their earnings call in, in, in the fourth quarter kind of said that where they're, they're talking about going back to basics and um, – there were, you know, if you look at the numbers from last year, there was 6.1 million existing home sales um, in 2020. That means there's 12.2 million total customer transactions. And Zillow um, only capitalized on a fraction of that with about 25% of home buyers reaching out to Zillow and just 5% of them turned into transactions. That's how they tracked it, at least. So they've, they've got the portal. They have all the ancillary services. I don't you know, I, I don't see this being a question of of, when, of if, it's more of a when mm-hmm. this happens. They're going to take this a step further. So knowing that's the case, do you think the consumer would be turned off by, like, Zillow real estate? Or, I mean, do you think they'd even care? I, I They probably won't even care. Um, when no. they, yeah, when they click the button and they get somebody on the phone, they they want to find out about the property. They want right. information. How, you know, what, t- tell me the stats. What's going on? And then they connect to an agent. That's what right. the buyers want. That's or the consumer. That's what they want. Information. Well, think about how we're trained to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Tom here with Remax and the Zillow team. Right. Not <laughs> exactly. It's Sarah with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax. I mean, even though because it's too much to get out. So I think that that, that that's a really good point. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that they will. I mean, half the time I think that they think that's what's happening already. So yeah, <laughs> like yeah. they um. Yeah, I don't. And I don't know that they as long really as the care. consumer has a, a very streamlined experience, um, experience that's all they care about. I mean, don't we all? That's what right. we want. We want a smooth process in everything that we do. Yeah, like so, call yourself whatever you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> how we want a smooth how process. How easy does it go? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so you know, knowing that, so do we see flex coming for all the markets, or like how do you think that gets rolled out? Because we know what the long term plan is. We all agree with Byron. So. Congratulations, Byron. First article on BAM's a hit. Um, do we do we see our market going full flex, or are they going to test us out a little bit? What do you think happens there? Because they're, they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. They're clearly testing this. Those are test markets like Denver, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina. These places are all the test markets. They come to our market typically last is what I found. So are, is, is, does Philadelphia and does the, does, does the whole country go full flex in a year? What do you think? Well, we've already provided them with a test, right? So we've already tested their market. Well, but area. they're they're testing a blended <laughs> market here. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because there's still people that, that oh, can right. yep. that, that can have Got premier it. agent pricing and mm-hmm. and 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 not. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't see it. I see it happening a lot quicker. I think by yeah. the end of the year, every everyone's flex. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my, that's my projection. Yeah. Why would they wait? 
it, it's proven to be successful. Yeah. I mean, actually, my initial thought was going to be not that it would be a slow rollout, but that they'll probably take, you know, just different area and city one at a time and kind of see that coat go through and then move on to the next one and kind of like devour one at a time. <laughs> but um, but I mean, I guess if it's if it's if it's hitting one, all the all the spots that they're testing it at, then I yeah, I guess why wait? Like none of these markets are as big as where we are here, though. I mean, we're the fifth, sixth largest met. However, it's it's fifth or sixth. However, you want to, you know, some people do it differently. But I, I I'm clear it will happen soon. Uh, I think we're we're probably that next like wave or two because they usually go to smaller markets and they go to bigger markets and they go to the really small markets they forgot about the first time. That's kind of been it. Like places yeah, like right. Chattanooga, Tennessee, and like the, <laughs> right. the, those places. So I, I see full flex coming because with teams like us, where we're the number one converting team, mm-hmm. there's no way we would spend the money up front just for leads. I can tell you that internally, that's just not in the budget. It's not what we would do. Um, and that's, that's really risky. However, if you're converting at that level and we're the number one converting team in the marketplace, which we are for flex, then they're going to make more money off us, the, the latter. And that's most teams in general. I mean, I know some of the top teams in the country and they're making more money than they ever could spend on Zillow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Full flex is coming. Byron's right. If you're interested in joining a flex team like ours and you don't have your real estate license, check out our real estate scholarship landing page. It is realestatescholarshipprogram.com. And we'll be right back with a segment on all the class action lawsuits out there right now against real estate agents and NAR and everybody else. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool with an E.com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. 
You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. And we've got Gabe behind the camera streaming us live on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we've got some lawsuit news, the most exciting topic for everyone here. It, it's actually pretty important, so I don't, I don't want to gloss over this, but it does get a little heavy on the legal jargon. So the short of this is there have been a couple of lawsuits kicking around the courts about NAR, DOJ, sort of collusion on commissions, buyer agents shouldn't be paid. And last week there was some news that dropped, and then we had an update uh, actually this morning Uh, But last week, there was some news that dropped that Gary Keller, the founder of Keller Williams, and his franchisers were singled out by attorneys on Monday as a federal court judge heard arguments in one of the two federal commission lawsuits that are currently going through the the, the legal system. So Judge Stephen Bowe in the Western Missouri District he weighed, uh, weighed in on whether uh, hundreds of thousands of home sellers can ask to be reimbursed for more than a billion dollars in commissions they paid to buyer agents in the past eight years. And they uh, said specifically in the legal arguments, um, we have the chairman of the board and the founder of Keller Williams actually admitting in corporate conference calls that he believes in collusion theory, that there's collusion amongst competitors in this industry, which is designed to punish people who don't play along. And an attorney for the plaintiff on Monday, and this is all about the, the plaintiffs, which are the people that are suing. Uh, and that's what's been happening. And we're here today in Missouri to ask that that stops. So what do you think about this? I mean, this, this was said. That's pretty wild. Do they have him saying that? I don't know. I mean, that's who, who, <laughs> I mean, who, that's who the hell of, knows, right? right? I mean, this exactly. is the problem that's here. Kinda, that's wild if he did say that, but maybe he did based so, on the other things he said. <laughs> Well, Keller Williams declined comment. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it, look, looking at this, um, I mean, it's, it, the court held oral arguments uh, on that mo- on this and offered glimpses into how experts view buyer agents on each side with um, without NAR's commission policy, they might not be getting paid. Right. And, and that's why the plaintiffs believe Gary Keller is leading this conspiracy. I mean, this, this is pretty wild accusations. Like, I, I don't know what to make of this. Where would they, th- I mean, so what? They want to sue and get the money back from the brokerages? Like, where do they think all of this money is going to Well, the money's already from? been spent, yeah, I like can tell you right, right now. That's gone. Right. <laughs> so they, they would get awarded like, like a reward from like the federal courts and that would go against all these companies. So, you know, what, what they're alleging here is that the attorney for the plaintiffs pointed out that the Northwest MLS data um, used in their reports was from transactions in which Keller Williams, either the listing broker, the buying broker, or both, and the attorney said that he had filed a subpoena to compel similar data from the Northwest MLS for the other real estate franchisers because all the big companies are mentioned in this lawsuit. You know, Remax, all, yeah. Keller Williams, Realogy, which is Coldwell Banker Century 21, Berkshire Hathaway, which is like home services. Like all, all of them are, are named there. So that's not really the, uh, the question. So I, I think it's more of like what happens next here and, and, and where does this go? And, and so... 
I mean, do you, do you see these lawsuits gaining traction? I mean, I guess that's kind of the, the, the big question here. I mean, they're, they're citing Gary Keller. I think, I think this might be more for headlines, personally. Yeah. Gary Keller's a smart guy. I can't imagine him saying, I believe in collusion theory. Right. Right. But I could be wrong, because some of these people have said some crazy stuff. So that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, but then didn't it go on to say, though, that as far as, like, injured parties go— that many then on the buy side made out just as well or better than if they had been paying that fee themselves. Like, wasn't there like some canceling out that like occurred? So if you were to, you know, try to go in and sue on one end, then wouldn't you owe on the other? Like there'd have to be some type of balancing act that would come into play, right? My, the, the whole idea here is I, I think the outcome of this lawsuit and is that they want buyer agents to pay or buyers to pay the buyer agent. Like that's what people are right. looking for. Right. Instead of the seller paying it, mm-hmm. I would imagine if, and to me that actually hurts the buyers. And I'll tell you why. A lot of these people put every single dollar they have in to their home purchase. Mm-hmm. So if you got to come up with an extra X percent, because we can't talk about commissions here. Right. Let's say, let's say it ended up being $10,000. Right. Your purchase power just dropped by more than ten thousand dollars. Right. And the reason I say more is most people are getting a loan. They're putting a percentage down. The ten grand is that that's a lot of money. They could mm-hmm. be only working with a hundred grand for the sale. Mm-hmm. So are they able to finance it in? You're gonna have to see some mortgage reform to allow for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that this is the most ac- like I get what the sellers are saying here. We shouldn't have to pay the buyer agents. The flip side is I don't think the buyers would be able to pay as much for their home right. without them paying the buyer agents because it's all coming out of equity. Mm-hmm. It's not right. like they're stroking a check for the, the the commission. So, and what the sellers might not understand is that, like you were saying, Tom, the buyers might not even not might not be able to purchase mm-hmm. the seller's home unless it's you know unless there's an agent fee that's that, that's taken care of by the sellers out of the equity. Mm-hmm. So I I I kind of I kind of get the gist of what they're saying here, but if if the buyers have to pay for representation, whether it be a buyer's agent or a lawyer, they're still mm-hmm. going to pay. And it's going to push a lot of people out, especially first-time home buyers. Yeah. If you're FHA, VA, I mean, they already struggle to right. get into the housing market, you know, to buy the American dream, to start their generational wealth for their family. Yeah. Um, and I know there's people have problems with the way, you know, the housing market is now anyway. There's a lot of complaints about, you know, people not... A lot might be an understatement. Exactly. About how, you know, the system's, you know, not conducive for first-time home buyers. Well, this is going to make it exponentially worse for those buyers. And I mean, I think it would, in some cases, lead people to try and do it without representation. Oh, which opens up a whole can of worms. And then you as the seller, like, you're looking, you're getting all these different offers. I mean, who, I mean, can they even put it together? Do they know what it is that they're... That, what, that they're putting together. Then as the seller's agent, are you now kind of doing both ends yes. of the deal just to get it to the finish line without, you know, I mean, you're not really um, dual representing because, well, you're not getting paid by both parties <laughs> and, and whatnot, but like to try to hold things together to get it to the the table, um, the seller's agent is probably going to have to do a bit more work here. Um, and I would say it goes along the same lines. I mean, we talk a lot about for sale by owners and you're mm-hmm. leaving what is it 14 percent more more 17 percent on the bingo on the yep. table there for what you could have gotten had you used an agent um i would say this kind of goes along the same lines like yes you're paying this 
you're paying this commission fee, but look what you're getting for it. Like you're going to get a better transaction. You're going to get um, probably potentially more for the house. So if you if you drop this, you know, whatever percentage that you are going to be paying to the buyer's agent, if you drop that off, you might just see that much less of an offer that comes yeah. in. You know, it's less offers. Yeah. yeah. See, what, what they're not getting, though, is most people don't have the cash to pay that check afterwards. Right. So right. it would have to be financed or rolled in. And th- they talk about uninjured plaintiffs in this article. And um, what an uninjured plaintiff is, is that um, it's defined as uh, people that they, they actually don't they don't have a, a hardship that, that, they, that goes through in the court. So um, the they allege the majority of the proposed class, because now it's a class action lawsuit, um, they were uninjured plaintiffs when comparing how much they paid as sellers to how much was paid on their behalf when they were buyers. And they examined 22,000 of 550,000 transactions in Missouri during the relevant time period, and 65.6% of sellers paid more for them as buyers to their buyer brokers than they themselves paid as sellers to buyer brokers. So it's actually demonstrating that these people were uninjured in these suits. And, you know, the remainder, meaning uh, that they paid more as sellers, were worse off, but they would um, have been overcompensated by a model that just gave them everything they paid when they were a seller. So, it, it I mean, it's kind of six of one half dozen of the other here. And what, what I have a hard time with this is I just don't know that people, if someone came to you and I, I recently sold my home, right? And I, I went through this. I was happy to pay the buyer's agent because I didn't want to deal with the buyer. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know, when you have another agent involved, how much easier is the transaction than when you're doing, we just talked about dual agency, right? Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. So you're going to, if you get rid of this, more buyers are going to go right to the listing agent and say, hey, I don't want to pay you. I want to buy the house. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're going to write up a contract that's all screwed up. Oh my gosh. They're not going to have their finances in order. You're going and you're going to have to coach these people on things, uh, and and maybe you know maybe all this changes. Who knows? You're absolutely right. Like it's the for sale by owner. You you've sold you you've sold a couple, right? You've sold any for sale by owners to buyers, Stacy? Uh, I no, but I've I've had the okay. experience of writing offers to them and having to deal with the seller, and it's so, a nightmare. Well, I, I've done that too, yeah. and it's you end up working for the seller. Right is is the problem, yeah. and so this hurts real estate agents in a lot of ways because then all of a sudden. You want to talk about a conflict of interest. There's no clear relationship, and you're trying to get this to the table. It's a very different thing, and no one's giving them advice, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the person that represents themselves in court. Like, right. you want to lose? Don't hire an attorney. Right. right. So n- now this is a class action lawsuit, and we've got, like, a minute here. So this this is gaining momentum. So do you think anything's going to change here? What's the future of buyer agency? we got, like, two, three minutes left here. Is this going to change the way things are done? I certainly hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's vital. I see where they reference uh, a number of different countries that don't have buyer agencies, UK, Netherlands, Belgium, Singapore, Australia, and Germany. Um, they say one to 5% of transactions involve a buy-side agent. Yeah. So, um, and they don't require the buy-side agent. But, you know, I would like to, that's all they mention. They don't mention how many sales, mm-hmm. any more stats on that. Right. So when then I think for Australia, I didn't mention that a, a lot of the percentage of sales there are done through auction. So, that's you know, there's other, there's mm-hmm. other pieces that, that go into play. And I think that the, that in between period of if there was a change being made until it becomes the norm would be a very, complicated time oh period. Yes. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I, and I don't, I don't think it would really solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Seeing how high emotions run in these transactions, yeah. if there's not someone with your interest in mind on the purchase side, when it's a really tough time to purchase a home because there's inventories moving very fast, we're seeing record low time on market. I don't know how a lot of these people would actually get there. They would just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again instead of getting advice. I mean, we, we've you know, you've written seven, ten offers for clients each. I mean, mm-hmm. if they didn't listen to you and change things as they went through, they would have lost out entirely. At least that, that that's my observation. So what, what I see happening is this. I think there's going to be a lot of agents that get out of the business in the next couple of years. We're at our peak number ever. It's over 1.5 million realtors. And every realtor out there listening to this, you better be ready to give a presentation while you're worth the money being paid. Because if you can't express your value and you can't show people, you know, why you're the right person to work with them on the purchase side and you're not learning how to list homes, this is the other key point. If you're one of these people that just relies on the phone to ring and wants to do a ton of buyer deals instead of a buy-sell or working your sphere, some of the stuff we talked about beforehand, or just learning how to list homes, that's where you're in a lot of trouble. And unfortunately, there's a lot of agents out there, that's all they know how to do, and they don't know how to communicate their value to the consumer. They're not having that meeting up front. They're not talking to them for 10 minutes in the driveway, explaining what's going on. So I, that's going to be where a lot of realtors get hurt here. That's, that's my observation. I would have to agree with that one. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. We'll let, this thing's going to go on for probably another five years before there's an outcome. So don't worry right away. We've been talking about this since we started the show and even before that. So that's all we got this week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio. You want to follow Stacy? you can follow her on Instagram. It's at the number two, Mitchco, M-I-T-C-H-C-O. You can follow Sarah at Ty underscore Ty Time. That's T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. You can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD at Tom Tool 3rd. If you want to look up our team, Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, just Google it. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.